Oh, man. But in all seriousness, it's so good to be with you guys this morning. I, I love this time. I love being together. I love you guys. I love what God is doing in us. Um, and so it's so good to be with you. Um, two years ago, my two best friends had their firstborn. Her name is Emery. And the first week that she was born, there was this morning and I sent my friends to bed. It was probably six in the morning. I sent my friends back to bed and I just held her for like four hours while my friends slept. And it was the strangest thing to look at this little tiny person who was equal parts of two of my favorite human beings in this like little tiny person. And I think I just stared at her. I think I just stared for like four hours. Like no TV, no radio, no nothing. It was, it was one of those moments in your life where you feel like the world slows down, it's turning. It's like time gets stretched out if it's possible. And I was just so overwhelmed by how much I loved this little person. So overwhelmed that I get to be a part of knowing her and loving her and watching her life unfold. It was this morning that is one of those days that you just don't forget. I was also thinking this week about another morning. This morning was about three years ago. And I woke up, I was at home in Seattle, and I sleepily walked down the stairs, and it was one of those mornings when it was really gray out, but it was really bright. You know what I'm talking about? When it's just, it's like the sun is catching every single cloud that seems to be blocking the sky, and it was just so bright, and we have tons of windows, and so the light was just pouring in everywhere. And I walked down the stairs, and I came around the corner, and I saw the shirtless frame of my father figure. And he was standing there in the kitchen, and he had two bags attached to his abdomen. And he had a pink scar that ran all the way down his midline. And he had a port sticking out of his chest. And he was standing there in the kitchen next to the counter and he was fiddling with a bunch of tubes that were somehow connected or he was trying to connect to some sort of something. And I was standing there and I stopped. And it was like all of the air in my body got sucked out of me in that moment. And I just stood there and I looked at him. And my feet are glued to the floor. And he's still just fiddling away. And then he looks up at me. And he just says, good morning. And I just looked at him and I just said, good morning. And I just remember feeling stuck in that moment. I just stood there for a minute, grateful, 
grateful that he, in the midst of all the battle wounds, in the midst of the tiring road, in the midst of, of all of it, just grateful that he was there, that he was standing there. And I just remember the feeling of my feet on the hardwoods, just being stuck for a minute. And I'm often reminded of this quote in one of my favorite books. And I won't tell you what book it is because I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's a story about two friends who are both really sick. They're both really sick. And they, you watch them walk through this tension of wanting to do life together and wanting to love each other. But they both kind of think of themselves as grenades. Grenades with the pin pulled out. That at some point, this thing is all going to explode. And it is going to obliterate all of the people who are close to me. And do I want to take a risk in being close to you? And so as the story goes, they decide that, that love and friendship and life is, is worth that risk, and they take it. And at the end of the story, one of the characters passes away, and the other one is sitting in there, just unimaginable grief. And they're at home, and the character's father comes in. And it's like one of those moments where it's like, what really can be said? But the character, the father says this one line that I just can't seem to forget. And he just says, but it sure was a privilege to love him, wasn't it? It sure was a privilege to get to love him, wasn't it? Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever felt that way about someone? Someone that you just look at and you just say, I'm just so grateful for you. I can't believe that I get to know you. I can't believe that I get to do life with you and love you. That even in the midst of the good and the bad and the tough times, that you would do it all again because you love them. I want to talk about love today. But specifically, I want to talk about the power and the honor it is to get to love people. Because we're busy. We're busy people, and we are duty-oriented people, and we are production-minded people. And sometimes it's just a good idea to let our souls take a break from that and to tap into love again. The things and the people that we love the kind of love that reminds us about what is most important and meaningful to us in the midst of it all. 
if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and pull it out um, and open it up to John chapter 13. And this is a, a passage I'm sure many of you are familiar with. But I just encourage you um, to just let yourself hear the story afresh this morning. And it goes like this. It says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but then my hands and my head also. And Jesus said to him, no, no, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. But when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, Jesus said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus, pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that you would speak through your word. I pray that you would illuminate this text to us. I pray that you would open up our hearts and that you would speak to our real lives, God. You are the shepherd of our souls, God, and I pray that this morning you would shepherd us to you um, in the midst of wherever we find ourselves and that you would reveal your heart um, through this story and and through our time together. And everyone said, Amen. So let's paint this picture a little better for us. What is actually going on here? Jesus, God of the universe, in skin, 
This is one of his last days on earth. And he's sitting with his closest friends. It's dark outside. The day is over. The work day is over. And the sun is down. That means that everything is lit up with oil lamps and candles. The day is coming to a close, and they are around a table for a meal. And to the disciples, this is just another evening. They're just carrying on business as usual, enjoying conversation with each other about the day and about life. But for Jesus, he is getting the sense that his days are few. So in the middle of eating and the conversation and everything that's happening, he gets up. Jesus gets up, and he walks away, and he grabs a towel. What is he doing? He goes, and he finds a bowl, and he fills it up with water. What is he doing? And he comes back, and he takes off his outer robe, his normal clothes, and he sets them aside. And he begins to wrap a towel around his waist. And at this point, the room has gone silent. No one is moving. No one is speaking. And I'd imagine that the only thing that you could hear is actually how tangible the silence was in the room. He's not gonna, I mean, surely he's not going to, no, 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 no. This is just another one of his, And then they watch him walk up to the first one. And he kneels down in the dirt. And he reaches down and he grabs the first dirty foot and he slips the sandal off. And at this point, I don't know if there's like nervous chatter in the room. It's just like, ha, ha, like, People trying to fill the awkwardness of what's happening, trying to like, I mean, people are squirming in their seats at what is happening. Are, are, is there nervous chatter at this point, or are they all just uh, jaws on the floor, speechless? And one by one, one foot after the other, one person after the other, one friend after another, wiping the dirt from their feet onto the towel that he had wrapped around his waist as he gets covered in their dirt. And then one by one, he pats their feet dry and he slips their sandals back on their feet and they're able to go sit back in their seats clean, and honored. 
Now, there's a lot of symbolism going on here about Jesus wearing the dirt, their dirt around him, about him cleansing them. There, there's a lot of foreshadowing of him going to the cross where he will take their sin and brokenness upon himself and by his shed blood cleanse them of their sin. But I don't want to focus on that this morning. Today, I want us to focus on what is actually happening in the room. Because this is actually happening. This isn't one of his parables. This is happening in real time for them. And we have to understand that this is not an empty illustration. This is Jesus, God, King, literally bending down in the dirt and holding their dirty feet in his hands, the dirty feet of the people that he loves the most. This is Jesus stepping away from the head of the table and taking off his day clothes and putting on servant's clothing. I mean, can you imagine the kindest, most loving, most gracious, most honorable person that you know getting up and taking the lowest place in the room? And you know what he did by doing that? By Jesus taking the lowest place in that room. He made everybody else in that room the most honored people in that room. In spite of all the imperfection that was in the room, all the sin, all the struggle, all of the disloyalty. His betrayer was in the room. And it is undeniable when you look at the text that Jesus washed Judas' feet. He washed Judas' feet alongside everyone else. The man who would sell his life for a bag of silver coins. And in the midst of the best and the worst in the room, in a room with a towel and water, Jesus looked at them, and in doing this, he said, it is a privilege to love you. It is my privilege to love you. Why? Because I made you. 
because you're mine, because I want you. And I get to love you however I want. This isn't just a picture of who Jesus is, the servant king, but this is a picture of who they are to Jesus. People who are deeply valuable, people who are worth everything to him. And this morning, as I was praying and preparing and sitting in this passage, I feel like God is wanting to shake our reality of love out of the realm of duty and obligation. This idea that God is somehow obligated to love us. Jesus isn't serving his friends in this moment to look like a hero. The very first verse, Jesus' intentions are exposed. It says that he sensed that his days were numbered. And he was with those he loved the most. And he wanted to love them all the way till the end. This was about Jesus loving them. He isn't serving them to be a hero. He isn't serving them to prove a point. He's actually doing this because he actually loves and values them. He wanted to, and I think we need to be wary of our cynicism and our own insecurity and the issues that we have with what makes love reasonable. Our issues we have with doing things to prove a point or trying to be someone because we can read our insecurity into Jesus and we pull the power right out of the story. We're so familiar with reading this story and we start at the beginning and we see Jesus get down and wash people's feet and we jump to the end and he says, you go and do likewise. And we just hurry, hurry, hurry that Jesus was just doing an illustration of something that I need to learn, that I need to do. And we miss everything. That this isn't actually a story about something that we're supposed to do. This is a story about something that Jesus does for us. And that until we understand what it is that Jesus does for us, we can never ever truly do what Jesus does. God is not insecure. Jesus is not trying to prove a point. Jesus loved these people, and so it was his honor to pull a towel around his waist and hold the feet of the people he loved the most in his hands and say, you are so valuable. You are so valuable to me. 
Peter, lest you are one who is uncomfortable with everything I have said so far, <laughs> you are in good company. What do you mean it's God's privilege to love me, Megan? What kind of theology do you have? What do you mean? Surely, Jesus was just doing what Jesus, being true to Jesus, but it had nothing to do with me. That would be completely unreasonable. Well, I think you can find yourself in Peter. <laughs> Peter, who tries to wriggle out of the same discomfort that you or I might feel. This expression of love and honor that Jesus was showing him, Peter tried to reason his way out of it. To get past the discomfort of the moment. You know, Peter's response, he says, Lord, you won't wash my feet, right? And you see that in the English translation. In the Greek, every single word is emphatic. It's better translated, over my dead body will you wash my feet. Absolutely not happening. Peter couldn't even conceive of a scenario where Jesus would be honoring human beings. But we cannot look at what's happening culturally in this moment and get around that Jesus is absolutely, undeniably honoring people in this moment. And you know what Jesus says to him? Jesus says, Peter, if you do not let me do this for you, you have no part with me. Peter, if you don't have this part of me, then you actually have no part of me. I'm going to say that again. If you do not have this part of me, you actually have no part of me. Peter, this is it. To have me is to have this. There is no way around it. Peter, if you don't let me do this for you, you have, you don't have me at all. Peter, this is it. This is the gig. <laughs> the gig is that I value you and I love you. And I would give everything for you. You know, do we know that God values us? Do you know that God values you? Because I think we squirm out of that. To reject the truth that God loves you, and that is the truth, that God loves you, 
it isn't some heroic act of humility to do that. It actually misses everything. I think sometimes we think we're doing God a favor by not receiving this. But we actually miss everything when we do that. This is an amazing story about how Jesus exemplifies that it's a powerful honor to get to love people. And we can never hope to be like Jesus if we cannot accept that Jesus himself deeply loves and values people. We can't. We can't move forward. The hopes that you and I have of go therefore and make disciples, the hopes that you and I have about spilling our lives out that people would know God, the hopes that we have, we can never hope to be like Jesus. And the world doesn't need us to know about Jesus. The world needs us to be like Jesus. And we can never hope to be like Jesus if we cannot accept that Jesus deeply loves and values people. This isn't a passage about loving people because Jesus tells us to serve. This is a passage about loving people because of who Jesus reveals people are. It's about, in this moment, who Jesus is revealing people to be and who he is revealing people to be is the most important people in his reality. That they are the most important thing. Profoundly valuable. We have people who we can think about in our lives. It's where we started. That it just feels like an immense privilege to get to love them and to know them. They are invaluable in our lives. And this morning, God wants to say that that is how he feels about you. That he loves loving you. I'm going to come to a close and the worship team can come back up. Uh, but as I do, there was a man named Brennan Manning, and I'm sure a lot of people in this room are familiar with some of his writings. He wrote Abba's Child. He wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. And he was a remarkable man, just remarkable. He passed away back in 2013, and, and he had a wild life. He had a lot of struggles, personal struggles. He walked through a lot of tragedy. He was a profoundly loving man and an imperfect man. And he did everything in his power to be equally those parts all the time. Like he just embraced 
his humanity and got lost in the love of Jesus. And in his last days, in the midst of all of it, looking back on his life and all that he'd walked through, looking at who the man he'd become at the end of his days and his journey with Jesus. And he said this. He said, you know, when my life on earth is over and I stand before Jesus, I have become more and more convinced that when I stand before him, he will ask me one question and one question only. And it will be this. Did you believe that I loved you? Did you believe that I loved you? That I desired you? That I waited for you day after day? That I longed to hear the sound of your voice? Did you believe that I loved you? I know a lot of times we come to church and we walk in assuming that we're going to walk out with a takeaway and there's going to be something that we have to do. Give it to me, Meg. Give me the, the one-liner. Give me the one point. Tell me what's the one thing that I'm going to work on implementing into my life this week to do better, to be better, to be productive. I'm not going to do that for you this morning. Because if this story has taught me anything, it's that sometimes we don't need to do anything. Sometimes we just desperately need something to be done to us. That we need the love of God to happen to us. To let it have its way in us. To mend us, to make us whole, to help us find strength, and to change us. To see that we are deeply valued people because Jesus has said so. And that once we start to wade into those waters, then and only then can we become people who will be like him, who get to go out and tell the people around us. It is a privilege to love you. We're two minutes past. And I want to respect your time. So we're not going to take long, but we are going to take a moment. Because sometimes it's just too important. And so I'm going to pray. And Dean's going to just lead us in one song. And I want to encourage you in this.
let the love of God happen to you. Even if it's just for a moment, don't leave this place and miss everything. Jesus, thank you so much. for this morning and for every single person in this place, God. And, uh, your love is incomprehensible and unreasonable, and it is beyond anything we can fathom. And it, if we are honest, God, it is everything we need. And God, I pray that we would become people who may not be perfect, but we walk in a deep awareness that we are loved by you, God. And that somehow you would change us in that place and somehow we could be people in the world who don't just know about you, but we actually look like you because we carry the same love for people inside of our hearts that you carry for us. So mark our lives this morning, Jesus. Do a deeper and a different work in us today.